By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. In this episode, we're talking about La La Land, which is, I don't know if it's most famous for this, but it's certainly very famous for having lost the Oscar, which not very many films are famous for losing the Oscar, but uh, the particular way in which this lost the Oscar was uh, fascinating, where they announced the wrong name and everyone thought La La Land won, and then surprise during the speeches, um, a lovely man named Jordan Horowitz, who was the La La Land producer, had to give away the uh, best best. Uh, film Oscar he thought he had just won um, and give it to Moonlight uh, which was just a, a fascinating cultural moment um, when this movie came out it was you know it's 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 perfectly lovely it's very sweet um, but it, it was considered sort of this like really big Oscar-y kind of thing and it became overwhelming and then you got yelled at a lot if you didn't like La La Land. It sort of took on this life of its own. And then there was the, the initial backlash and the backlash to the backlash and the backlash to the backlash to the backlash. And it became this whole thing. And so when programming Corona Movie Club, I, I really wanted to take a step back and revisit La La Land without any of the hype, without any of the expectations, and just really try to give it a genuine shot out of – like in isolation – not in in more ways in isolation in more ways than one, um, but really trying to take away all of the expectations and the pressure of oh my god this might win the Oscar in a really great year for movies that would be a real shame, um, and really just look at it as if it had come out in the summer and it was just a movie we're watching um, not, no no different no bigger no lesser than you know my best friend's wedding or Ali's wedding or whatever else we're talking about um, and. Uh, most of us landed pretty much in the same place uh, that we were in when we saw it originally in theaters. Um, this is a 2016 uh, musical, technically it's a musical, um, written and directed by Damien Chazelle, who uh, previously had done Whiplash, which I absolutely love. Um, I, I don't know. It's fine. The The music is um, by Pasek and Paul, who are uh, big Broadway people. Um I don't know. Make up your own mind about La La Land. I don't know what to tell you. I feel so bad being grumpy about these movies. It's cute. It's very pretty. It's a very, very pretty film. That's all I'll say for now. 
Um, on the call, it, myself, Kelly Bedard, as well as Nicole Falgu, Matt Yipchuk, Steve Vargo, Susan Bond, and Hillary Wardinger. Um, so I hope you enjoy our discussion. Quick, uh, I guess it's an audio format, so show of hands won't work, but hip, quick audio signal. Did anybody like La La Land? Are we dealing with any La La Land fans on this call? I'm not a La La fan by any means. <laughs> that was inevitable. <laughs> Hi, Hillary, also- you're here. We just asked the question: Did any is anybody like a big La La fan? De- La La fan. Now you've got me doing it. A big La La Land defender. Like, are you a La La fan? I'm. I'm not no. a fan, but I would say that I think it suffered from being taken too seriously. Agree completely. Yeah. If this was not an Oscar movie, if this was a random summer release, it would have been absolutely delightful, yeah. and we wouldn't have worried about it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's that's my. But there was like a two minute period when we thought it had stolen the Oscar, and that was very scary. <laughs> Literally, what I'm here for is to talk about that. <laughs> that was the best thing I've ever seen on the Oscars. Was that but but and, we all got our lifelong crushes on Jordan Horowitz through that. So come on, come on, so gracious, so charming. Yeah. <laughs> The producer who like handed the oh, trophy yeah. over. Yeah. Um, this isn't mine. Uh, is that just me? Is that just how I work? The the guy who was like, "We did not win. You won." Is like, hey. Oh no, that was a very that was a beautiful, like very respectable, reputable moment. Mm-hmm. So yes. yeah, yeah, you did a really great job. Lovely. See, yeah. I wrote a collective crushes on Jordan Horowitz. You just didn't have the words exactly. Um, for exactly <laughs> what that feeling was. Um. Okay, so nobody's a big, because I remember when this movie came out, I pushed my expectations through the floor because I really, really, really wanted to like it. Had a feeling from the trailers that I would not like it. And so I tried to go in with really low expectations to give it every possible chance of exceeding said expectations. Um, I would say I hated it the first time I saw it. I think I liked it better on rewatch. I watched it yesterday. But I saw it on Instagram. It's still obnoxious and i think it's beautifully directed i do not begrudge them the best director uh oscar at all that's fine he should have he should be better known for whiplash than for la la land but whatever um but yeah the script is annoying i do not understand why you all like gosling so much i just it doesn't this movie is so annoying i don't like gosling i would like that on the record i liked so i liked gosling when i was a kid and he was on a Canadian television show called Breaker High, and he played the nerd sidekick guy. That I was all for. Um, and then once he got cool and stoic and ugh, just, I don't get it. He's not appealing. Um, and then I watched the Sondheim thing last night, the Sondheim birthday celebration, and was reminded of how secretly good of a singer Jake Gyllenhaal is. And I was like, well, why couldn't we just cast him? And um, yeah, so that was my major revelation last night was there are so many people who can sing. It's not that difficult. Like so many people can sing. Just pick some. (laughs) (laughs) Broadway productions though really suffer, or like not Broadway, movie productions of um, musicals really suffer from picking the sellable celebrity instead of someone who can sing. What I'm saying is there are so many people who are both. Right. I know. I mean, like Gyllenhaal. Like Gyllenhaal. Yeah. But all you gotta do is look at Russell Crowe. I mean, come on. That was just. <laughs> yeah. No, well, okay. But that was a whole other thing because that was Tom Hooper, right? And like, that's a bad yeah, but man. He won for that. Yeah, but he, he won an Oscar for that movie. He can't. 
Did he? he can't direct things. Yeah. He's the worst A-list director there is. He just, just no on him in general. Well, um, so Jeremy, every bad you haven't decision. Seen cats. I have. He's the worst. <laughs> Don't worry, Kelly. No one is defending Tom Hooper's uh, decisions in Cats. No, nope. that was. It's well, Cats should never have been greenlit in the first place. There was <laughs> the best director but in the world couldn't have made Cats. Cats not his fault. Cat they let him make a stop motion movie. That would have been beautiful. I've been saying that for like 15 years. Just imagine Cats is like a Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas style stop motion film. Like no. That. Yes, because it'd be the, so good. No, because what the stage mm, show is so earnest and honest and true and it's not funny. And he tried to make it funny and that's why. Oh, yeah. So making like a detached ironic Cats would make me even angrier than just making a shit Cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, not ironic. Just uh, reinterpreting the text like from the Elliot source material using the Weber music and then visualizing it through like cool stop motion cat puppets. What, so good. what if it was a live live cats? I've have I've thought of that too. And <laughs> I wouldn't have been opposed. I mean that is just lying like King. real cats. <laughs> yes, yeah, like that. Real cats. You okay. I'm not gonna say cats. no to real cats. I volunteer my cat. <laughs> you can get him to do it. <laughs> Okay, so we have a quarantine assignment for Matt. <laughs> Just gather a cats? lot of cats. <laughs> Deal. I'll add it to my list of video projects. <laughs> Just goes, ma'am, can I borrow your cat? Gets <laughs> <laughs> a lot of really strange glances. I, I promise I will return it as I found it. Maybe a little bit scarred for life. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> La La Land. Okay, so we don't have any we don't have any lovers of La La Land. Um, do we have anyone who like sort of likes La La Land? Or do we just want to start who hates it the most? If you, raise your hand if you think you hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it the most, but it's it's an in for my feelings about why movie musicals don't work now, which I have very strong thoughts on. There. Okay, if let's hear them. Yes, that okay. <laughs> yes, and here go. we go. Okay. Um, it's kind of, it boils down to a lot of the reasons I remember not liking Moulin Rouge, which I know is a bold statement for lots of people, um, but I need to rewatch <laughs> it to like justify that. But this is my main thing, is that movie musicals now, I don't think, I feel like they don't work because they aren't approached, I'll say earnestly, because that word came up in the conversation about cats. I think it's a good word. Movie musicals aren't approached earnestly anymore, and they're approached with the mentality of them having to fulfill, like, a pastiche expectation that we have for what musicals used to be and all the feelings of nostalgia that they bring up. And, like, when you look at this movie and Moulin Rouge, specifically in Moulin Rouge, the elephant love medley that makes me so angry for so many reasons, it's, it's recreating an aesthetic and a set of... Um, oh, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like a set of expectations, I guess I'll use that word again, that we have based on things that were done like in the 30s and the 40s to showcase people whose main talent was singing or dancing like Fred Astaire or Ginger, Ro- Ginger Rogers or like Singing in the Rain where the stories were really secondary to finding like some kind of really wishy-washy context to show how amazing they were at like dancing or singing. And the story didn't matter. What mattered was, oh, this is like a visual documentation of how good they are at this. And then when you put it into 
a contemporary setting and you have people who are actors first and have next to no viable skill as singers or as dancers, then what you're left with is a really shitty story that is surrounding an equally lackluster performance. Okay, now does this apply to adaptations of pre-existing musicals? Uh, with the exception of Hairspray, I would say yes, and Chicago. Obviously, Chicago is the greatest movie musical ever made. Yeah. It's better than the stage show. Yes, yeah, um, I yeah. also love Evita, but I understand that that is controversial. Evita, <laughs> <laughs> I can get on board with as well. I just think the thing that movies struggle with when they're adapting like stage shows or any musical really is finding a justification for why the reality is one where singing is acceptable. And I think movies now have a hard time being brave enough to create a, like a heightened reality. So that's why I think Hairspray works because like right off the bat, it's basically creating like this really beautiful kind of cartoony John Waters-esque world. Like it's honoring all of the elements that made his movies like the perfect pick to adapt into a musical in the first place. But then you have something like the Tim Burton Sweeney Todd or Les Mis, <laughs> where they're trying to make it like a really subtle, really like realistic thing, and that doesn't work. And I feel like the only musical that works as like a more subtle, realistic environment or setting is Sound of Music, mostly because of how it leads into the reality in like the first five minutes of the overture, because it just starts with like static shots of the hills and the music comes out of like sounds that are already there in the environment so like subconsciously you watch sound of music and the way that it ushers you into that reality you're like okay they can sing and i'm okay with it but it's then like you have something the hills like, are alive with the exactly sound of music? but then you have something like <laughs> stupid freaking la la land where everything is just based on oh remember how those movie musicals made you feel in the 40s let's just recreate that now even though the songs have really little to do with emotional stakes and just more to do with circumstance and plot and story. Like the stupid song that I hate that I love where Emma, what's her face, puts on the blue dress and she's dancing with her friends. I'm like, this is so catchy, but it has no reason to exist. And that's my overall thought on La La Land as a whole. Um, so the, I have very mixed feelings about Damien Chazelle because I love Whiplash so much. Um, I think he's an incredibly talented director, but my main struggle with him is that I don't feel like he has a real point of view um, other than just being a really big movie fan and so he all of his movies seem to me to be homages to other people's movies um, like First Man and La La Land and Whiplash have no sort of cohesive vision of or style of, like there's nothing about him but they all mimic other people's work really well and so like La La Land the first time I saw it I had never seen a Jacques Demy movie and then after I saw Young Girls of Rochefort then I saw it again and it made a lot more sense like it's very it's almost like not a sat like a parody because obviously it's not trying to make fun of it but it's like a like a mimic of it almost perfectly like the heightened colors the way it's shot um specifically like where you can you could take a photo of any frame and if you put it on your wall um the cinemascope thing at the beginning the the even the fonts that they use um the opening number in the traffic is like the opening number of Rochefort is in traffic the ending of this movie is umbrellas of sure umbrellas of Sherbrooke like 
everything is and even just like the idea of like kind of non-singers sort of like mumble singing as if it's just kind of their thoughts but they're just kind of setting it to a medley or a melody that is just very like he's just mimicking Jacques Demy and then there's like elements some of the dance breaks and stuff reminds me of like you know sort of the classic Hollywood like Donald O'Connor kind of stuff but like why though it's cute to bring that back and to put it into a new setting and bring it to an audience who's never going to sit down and watch a 20 uh 1960s french new wave film but like why like what are you what are you saying and, and does that actually work in a modern context it's not new it was new and now you're just kind of mimicking yeah. it it's yeah just- like he has a line ryan gosling says that like it's dying we're letting it die that sort of idea and i think that's him saying like it's like this genre of film as well um but i think he failed but i think he failed in like proving that it's a powerful (laughs) delightful drama if you will a a form um even though i think it's possible um because it's it has happened i've like i disagree on like i think moan rouge is good i really liked it it was weird when was last time um, you saw it i used to love it i watched it again recently it's not a good movie <laughs> it, it is I, no, but there's a lot of I, slow motion in when, that movie it's not good it's there's a little like i remember a lot of grumpy parts a lot of drama and like i but i i remember really being engrossed in this weird new musical type world and i was like what the hell is this movie when i remember first watching it and then it like grew on me as you started watching it. And then the drama started unfolding. And I remember really enjoying it the first time watching it. Certainly, I, I, I used to it, love it. It's been Moulin a while. It's, it has been a while though, so. Are you talking about Moulin Rouge or about La La Land? Moulin Rouge. Okay, I, I yeah. used to love Moulin Rouge. I just happened okay. to watch it like two months yeah. ago and that was very upsetting yeah. rewatch because it <laughs> ruined. Um, the parts that work really work. The parts that don't work, oh my God. Like the part where she's like thrashing around on the ground. Like what, like no. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's well, I was a little totally weird. in for that melodramatic. Like, I it just yeah. I think that's it, why it I love. That's why I love to kind of Matt's point. I love new musicals, especially movie musicals or like TV musicals that go over the top, that take you to that sense of drama of being on, of sitting in a theater, of having it be live, of over the top. And so I think in a way that's something La La Land did really well and why I love Moulin Rouge and like to death. Such a, I'm not going to rewatch it with any sort of or any sort of like critique uh, lens because it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I didn't get to see it on Broadway before this all happened, but I will eventually. But I think the, I mean, the I think Broadway just, version is fantastic and reinvigorates it and fixes a lot of the movie's problems and it's actually i wholly endorse the broadway version Rock on. i endorse the soundtrack yeah. oh it's crazy the you have to buy so in like there, there's a world in which like mm-hmm. you could definitely hate it and like hate it really really hard um but i loved it i feel like landing in the middle is what's not really a possibility i think like the the other part of the my point was the this film really failed to be a musical film as well. It's a very like symphonic film more like with the jazz overtones, the dancing. And um, there's only like three songs in the whole film. <laughs> yeah. I counted them this time. This is my second time watching it. It tried to be like nine songs, but it's yeah. actually only like two. Yeah, it's, it's three. So there's the, the beginning, there's mm-hmm. the very oh, next right, the scene. There's, 
the very next scene where they're talking about auditions and uh, what's the song called? Someone in the crowd. Mm-hmm. When they um, have the dresses then, on. The yeah, blue dress yeah, song. Yeah. yeah. And then the later on in the film where she has her little monologue story talking about her grandmother or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's City really, of Stars. Oh, and City yeah. of Stars. Yeah. Those are the only actual musical songs that like come out of the, like go out of the reality. True, because City of Stars is actually, he's playing it on the piano, like oh, yeah. he's composing that song, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it has a serious song density issue. I also, and this is not a popular opinion, but maybe it's a popular opinion in the context of La La Land. Um, I think Pasek and Paul are incredibly superficial composers. Um, and as a result, there is only one project of their other. I like their early work, like um, in short and... Um, lying there like they have some beautiful like fun songs that they wrote really early in their career but since becoming fairly successful um and like dogfight's fine um but since becoming successful i think uh, greatest showman is the only property that they've worked on that i think really really works and it's because i think that their work is really like they they're really big good at picking out like a single repeatable sentence that sounds really good and uplifting and if you say it a bunch of times it makes people feel good like oh i don't know you will be found um and then like really good at sort of um like using the the beat of the drum to raise your heartbeat and the way that they construct the the instrumentation and the the crescendo of the melody to make you feel things but it's all fairly superficial and fairly manipulative and if you look below below the surface or like really focus on what the actual lyrics are saying there's not a lot there's not a lot of there there um and in the greatest showman where the whole point is that it the the stuff might not be real but the joy is real and that's what matters so the fact that they're able to make you feel that way with things that are like fundamentally not substantial is thematic and really like a rewarding piece of the film to sort of like dive into the fundamental uh, superficiality of the music but everything else they've ever worked on is all about like being true to yourself and authenticity and then they write this music that completely contradicts that and so I just think these songs are flimsy like the the someone in the crowd is fun and the John Legend song is fun but like they're not there's nothing in them they're not there they're not using musical theater as a form they're not using the human voice to express any sort of actual emotion they're just like isn't this a pretty little melody i'm gonna repeat it 17 times with this single sentence anyway and i had uh, city of stars memorized from watching the movie trailer at every time i went to a movie for like a year and a half before la la land came out it definitely doesn't feel like the same people that wrote Music for Greatest Showman or Dear Dear Evan Hansen. It or does feel like the same people who wrote Dear Evan Hansen. It absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> I've never seen Dear Evan Hansen, so I can't speak to that. But I I did not know it was the same people as Greatest Showman. I mean, which is I like Moulin Rouge, one of my like most favorite guilty musical pleasures. Oh, don't even be guilty oh about God. that. No, no, Greatest no, no, Showman no, no, is legitimately great. <laughs> no I was one's like, actually awesome. expecting to hate it, and about halfway through the movie, I turned to my partner and I was like, "Okay, I can't even pretend to oh, yeah. hate this anymore because I am." Uh, almost dancing in the movie yeah. theater. I, yeah. was like, I, I love was, it. I love the soundtrack of that one because you can pull it out of context and let's do it. It's, it, it yes. I think their yes. work on that is awesome. And I do. Um, yeah. Because of the, <laughs> because it's a, it's part of the storytelling that it be sort of ruckus and fun and emotional music that yeah. isn't necessarily the most substantial music. It's like the literal, uh, their work is the literal opposite of Sondheim. I like don't know. I'm just in a Sondheim mode, guys, because it's his birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but, because you watched uh, the concert? Yes, um, it was amazing. It really was. Um, All I watched was the even one like, scene with Meryl. Yes. Oh, Meryl. But <laughs> even Christine. like Dogfight oh, is a lot so deeper hmm. than, and Dogfight was not a well-known. Yeah. They've definitely gotten gotten more superficial as they've gotten more successful. I think maybe they're just working too fast is maybe, maybe my best guess. I don't know. But yeah, there's definitely a, a break because like lying there is incre- is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that's incredibly emotionally insightful work. And and like even um what's the big song in Dogfight, Nicole? Pretty you, funny. Pretty funny, yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, you're definitely thinking pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. but it, it's a little bit deeper than most of their work, but it's like a I don't know. I think you can really follow that curve pretty easily along their career of just like a downward momentum of um, substance, which is sad. Um, does anyone have, I don't know, La La Land. It's pretty. It's so pretty. Yeah. Really pretty. I really like looking at La La Land. I think it'd be a great movie to put on on mute on a party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I often, quietly on a party. Pardon Maybe me? It's not that offensive. I'd say even quietly. Like, have yeah. It on yeah, but then you'd have the to background. listen to Ryan Gosling talk about jazz. <laughs> I never want to hear that. Hear <laughs> like hearing hearing him talk about jazz was was painful because I'm like, you're being a jazz purist, and the point of jazz is that it's not pure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's fundamental. He he is the person that actual jazz people would hate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, like, there is no rhyme or reason to jazz. Also, any musician worth their salt in any capacity understands that you have to take the gig. You have to take the gig. You have to take the tour. You have to take the teaching job. Like this idea of, I don't know. Well, like, I guess that's not really him. That's her. Because one of the things I do like about this movie is the scene at when John at John Legend's concert, Ryan Gosling plays it with like happiness or at maybe not happiness, but like contentment. Like he's enjoying himself. He's proud of the work they're doing. Like he's not being grumpy and like a sourpuss the rest the way he is the entire rest of the movie. Um, and it's only when Emma Stone is like, "Wait, but don't you hate it? Maybe you're a sellout." That then he's like, "Wait, am I a sellout?" But he did find a way to be content. And I think that's the thing about artists is that like you can find a way, you have to find a way to be content without necessarily quote unquote making it um, and getting everything you've ever wanted. Because he had a plan. Like that was, he was like, I'm going to be in this for a few years and then I can open up my, my bar. Yeah. Like this is, this is how it has to happen. Emma Stone. (laughs) This is how. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, she's totally unreasonable yeah, too, because yeah. like nothing makes me madder than when she quits her cafe job and rents out the giant theater and then gets mad when nine people come to her play, but she doesn't have any theater contacts or any credit all. And like, why do you think this woman, she's so <laughs> entitled to drives me absolutely bananas. You know, that, that part when you see how many people are at her show, like the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, she got a good turnout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I performed in Yasmina Reza's art for an audience of two people. We had uh, one extra person in the play than we had watching us. It was um, so yep. depressing. It happens. I have been in many, time. I have been in many, uh, many audiences where it's just been me and the director. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's been Love really it. fun. 
I also um, found it cool. interesting that even the moment where she's auditioning for the movie and they're trying to craft a role around the person that they pick, mm-hmm. she still doesn't use her own story. Yep. Like, mm. what? Yep. You felt so highly of yourself that yeah. you rent out this large theater for a one-woman production, get pissed off that no one's coming to a story about your life, and then when it, when all said is done, she's not even telling her own story in this audition anyway. True. Like, or the story of La La Land. Right. Just happening to her. Like, her right. boyfriend's right outside the door. She could talk about that story. Yeah, why doesn't she it's, do what they do in Center Stage, which is, like, make <laughs> the, sto- like the, the ballet at the end recaps the whole movie that we've just watched? <laughs> center stage oh we're watching that eventually because oh it's, God, I love it. it's <laughs> terrible and i love it yes. so much it's it, it comes from a time of movie making when you could have like a six minute ballet break in the middle of act two and it's just like fine you know <laughs> right? what i'm here for i am more here for it for center stage than i am for la la land oh yeah because it's got a gigantic heart and it also is true to the art to the artistic form that it's talking about right like ballet dancers i'm sure like center stage in a way that jazz people I mean, they mostly hate Whiplash, but, like, they definitely also hate Love. <laughs> uh, that's the, that's the thing I found. That's the thing I found in this director also, like, when you were talking about Whiplash and First Man, that he always fails to get that point across or a point across or uh, some sort of uh, connection with the material and the audience. Um, I just feel like it's, everything always falls flat or feels hollow. Um, with Whiplash, I'm like, this is about two assholes at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about you, like these two guys. Um, even though I really was excited about the whole movie, during the whole movie, but at the end of the day, it's like, this, this is about two asshole musicians mm-hmm, that sure. I don't really care about. Um, well, yeah. And what's the difference? Because like, we had a couple in a row where everybody was coming on the call and they were like, the lead character's a jerk. Kelly, what the fuck? Uh, because, and they were like, my favorite movies of all time. Like we did My Best Friend's Wedding and then we did um, Edge of 17, 17 in a row. And they were both like, but what, what is the difference? Because those, those are like, quote unquote, bad people at the center of the movie. They're very irritating. They're doing a lot of the wrong thing. Um, certainly with Edge of 17, I feel like what she's going through in that time of life, it's mostly just an, a realistic portrait more than like, really, she's that bad of a person. Um, but like, why is it that, is it just that I don't like Ryan Gosling? Like, and I do I like Haley Steinfeld. So. Like, why doesn't she, why does she not lose me? And like, Julia Roberts never loses me for a second. Whereas like, I can't tolerate a word out of these characters' mouths. I think part of it, oh, go ahead, Susan. I think Haley Steinfeld, Steinfeld is a child in that movie. Mm, true. Well, and true. you are confident that she might grow out of it. <laughs> but I think the difference between, because Julianne in My Best Friend's Wedding is absolutely not. Yes. Right. Yeah, she's 27. Yeah. She'll uh, give up when she turns 28. But I think it's because to a certain degree, they're not trying to make her better than she is. They're not, they're not trying to come off as she's a, a much better human being than she is portrayed. Whereas here, I think they're trying to make it seem like Seb is a much better guy than he actually is. The movie knows she's an asshole. Right. Yeah. 
Mm. That's it. That's and the trick. And this movie does not know that he's an asshole. It's like, um, like the difference archetypes. between girls and sex in the city. <laughs> right. I, the, the day I figured out I could like girls was when I realized that like the writers didn't want you to like Hannah. Whereas sex in the city, those writers think Carrie is amazing. And Carrie <laughs> is a sociopath. Correct. <laughs> and that's, uh, I think the problem here is that I think the writers truly believe that their main characters are fantastic. And in reality, they suck. Okay, so I did a poll on Instagram Live that said, am I supposed to like this person? And I used the clip of Ryan Gosling when he's first introduced and he's talking to J.K. Simmons and he's like fighting him <laughs> right. on how many, and then and then Karen walks by and says, welcome back. And he's like, you could have said that nicer, Karen. <laughs> um, and so I pulled, am I supposed to like this person? And um, 70% said no, as if Damien Chazelle knows that I'm not supposed to like Ryan Gosling. Um, but then 30% said, I don't know how many people voted, but it was 30 to 70 uh, people People thought generally, no, I'm not supposed to like him. But I agree with you. I kind of think I am supposed to like him and that maybe they thought they could coast on the like Ryan Gosling of it all, which just doesn't work I think that's exactly what it is. I think, I think they basically went, well, Ryan Gosling's a really lovable guy. Let's roll with this. But I think the perception of it in our sphere of the people that we associate with is completely different from the people that wrote this movie. Because the pl people who wrote this movie completely disconnected. They basically relied on, he's the hey girl meme. He's the youth embodiment of the hey girl meme. You cannot hate Ryan Gosling, uh, which- I mean, I don't hate him. I just think he's boring. <laughs> right. But I, I, I think, think he's they like... rode on that coattail. I think he's like playing, I, I think he's supposed to be, but playing like depressed here in this moment at the beginning. He's in, he's not in a good place. He has to play at the shitty place that he knows he has to play this Christmas music that he doesn't want to. Um, and he's just in that mood and he's playing that mood, I think, okay mm -hmm. and well and what he's supposed to. So, I mean, we're not supposed to like him, but maybe there's supposed to be some empathy there of being in that situa situation. Um, I don't have that. But yeah, mm -hmm. but um, it, I also it, feel like it's we didn't get that context. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? I also, it's been a while since I've watched this movie, but I also feel like he's a dick to his brother. His sister, but yeah. Sister, sister yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, who is Rosemary, is do it? Rosemary something. She's amazing. She's in um, United States of Terra and Rachel's getting married. She's awesome. I think it's do it. Um, See, I, want, I mean, I walked out of feeling like this movie thing like I was supposed to hate both of them because I feel like they're just very strong LA archetypes mm -hmm. and like there is well the very real thing that LA people are the worst again I'm from New York so I can I live in New York I can back that up you're from LA Vermont people are the worst. <laughs> I've lived here long enough I've lived here long enough I'm in New York like three years. I've been here four years thank you okay. I've been told Let's by go. New Yorkers the rule is seven well, I did in New York too, so there's a lot. But okay. after, <laughs> New York City after, so I guess trust. He That's he walked out of that movie and was like, "God damn, the Emma Stone character is like at least the most like entitled, pretentious LA actor I've ever seen." And it just fits that stereotype, though. Like this movie is the LA artist wet dream. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make it and everything's gonna work out and LA is amazing and glorious and beautiful and everything. 
mean, it definitely okay. is like a it, it it is like a movie made by an LA person because the mm-hmm. all of that stuff the first of all all of everything that's shot on location and then specifically the scene in the on the back lot where it's just like aren't movies amazing yeah I I like want to make fun of that but I also understand that like movies are amazing and like walking around the Universal back lot is so cool um so and so cool. like that that kind of you get swept up in like move, the magic of movies side of LA I understand my argument for like I don't think that Damien Chazelle knew he was writing terrible characters not like badly drawn characters but like just bad people um is that the like the world around them seems to be doing that thing that you were talking about Hillary where it's like their parodies of Hollywood like she goes to that pool party and the the girl mispronounces her name and then the guy is like talking about how he's got all this buzz around him and she's just like I'm gonna go get a drink yeah and she like interrupts him, which was very rude. But he was supposed to be the like, oh my god, LA people are ridiculous. And so, but like, there our characters are supposed to be above that and like faithful to their to their craft. Where she's going on all these stupid auditions, but she wrote a play, and isn't she artistically meritorious? And it was called like Goodbye Boulder or something. Like yeah. That. Yes, I would was. have given it like a C minus at the fringe. <laughs> meanwhile i'm like if i really want to watch a movie Mm. about someone trying to make it in la i will watch burlesque anytime i love burlesque i've only seen it once but i loved it i have watched it four times during quarantine but oh no that's crazy mike is worried (laughs) yeah no he should be worried also because you shouldn't watch anything four times because there's amazing things out there and you should i know but I've been inside for six weeks. It's been sure. problematic. I mean, sure, sure. Um, burlesque is amazing. Christina Aguilera is amazing. We are not going to talk about burlesque any longer, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does anybody have nice things to say in, in any capacity? I feel like we should have rec- actively recruited a La La Land fan. I, I, I do think I some of the, in, the scenes, the couple scenes um, are good there's some good writing in some of the scenes uh, especially the dinner scene i agree um, um there there is a good little drama happening a, an, an interesting kind of contemporary love story happening here um mm-hmm. in in general but i think it's just lost on all of these other bells and whistles that are going on um and i i think the ending is um successful the that whole the whole um, re like reimagining of their lives, what it could have been, um, and then like kind of pointing out like this is sort of this is sad. This whole thing is sad or disappointing or hollow or whatever you get from this. But um, at the end of the day, I'm also just like, well, Emma Stone just didn't have to get married and have a child, and just come back and see him. Yeah, and they, they I didn't like though. Yeah. They didn't take the easy way out. Yeah. Same. I love a good love story that doesn't end with the couple getting together. Right. I agree because with that. But they, is... set it, they set it up so light so and, good. and musical and mm. like it's just like but it ends up being disappointing and hollow for me because they set it up this way. Oh that's what I liked about it was because they did they did put so much majesty and setup into it that it rang more true when it didn't work out and I that's why I liked too the ending with the as you said the kind of alternate what their life could have been 
is even more overly magic like musical than the first half of the whole movie was and I think that it just shows that your maybe I'm reading too much into it probably not but that you know your dream for what a a, a, mo a relationship could be and what a musical should be and all of that is always way more than expect than reality your expectations are never going to match reality and I think that worked really well for you know the movie that's fair yeah um, I, yeah, I like the ending. <laughs> I like the ending. And, and like I said at the beginning, I watched this one at the very, at like the end of a very long relationship. So for me to say, oh, I'm so happy they didn't end up together. At first, I thought it was just because I was being bitter. <laughs> but in reality, I just like it because it doesn't come across as cheap. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I... I I don't know, especially because the way they broke up, like, I like that it was logistics in the end that, like, she was going away and that was what it was. Now, like, could better characters have overcome those logistics? Yes. Because, like, she's only, it's only going to be four months or whatever. Like, you're fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that um, the that it was just timing and it wasn't something big and dramatic. Like they didn't have some sort of fight. It wasn't like, I don't know. I like the sort of inelegance of it being timing. I do, however, hate what their initial breakup where she's just like, you didn't come to my play. How dare you? <laughs> Which like, again, he has a contract. Like she is so terrible about him taking this job that like he can't just not like yes it sucks that he can't go to your play but first of all your play shouldn't be one night only that's not how plays work but two <laughs> like it's just the reality like she's dating a touring musician like they have contracts they have like that's the cost of being an artist like my actor friends have missed weddings um my touring musician friend missed his grandmother's funeral because he was on tour and too fucking bad wow. like it's just how it works and like i just think that she's so completely unreasonable he doesn't come to her play and she's like we're over and she pushes him which really gets to me you don't get to just like randomly attack him that's come on um that, that was in kind a mood of stuff. too though i would say that in her defense she was in a mood because it her first performance was horrible yeah but i don't think that yeah. physically assaulting someone because you're in a mood is True. like oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah of course um yeah, it's not his fault that no it was yeah, that bad yeah like, it was don't be taking it out on him exactly it was one of those things i do think that their fight at the dinner table is really good like that's really realistic to me um, like she's being unreasonable, but I also feel like she's being unreasonable in a direction that makes sense where she in her head thinks she's trying to like look out for him and, but she's actually being really unsupportive, but she has it in her head that she's being really supportive. That scene felt very real. Um, the, there, so there are like elements of this movie that I really like. I like the direction. I like the ending. I like the, I just like how pretty it, it all is. The, I like um, the pretty dancing. Yeah. I like the pretty dancing. <laughs> yeah. I wish the dancing were better. Um, <laughs> but I like the pretty dancing. I like the fun party scene. You know, like there's elements of this movie that work. And if it had been considered less of a good movie, it would have been fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's mostly I just hate the main characters. And I don't know... <laughs> that I can get past because like even though Julianne in my best friend's wedding is a 
quote unquote bad person. None of those really exist, but like, you know, she's a, she does a lot of bad things. I never disliked her. I don't find her obnoxious. She's just doing the wrong things where it's like, these people are insufferable and they're in an okay movie. If they were better, I wouldn't mind the movie at all, but they just suck. They suck. I can't get past it. Like they just are terrible people. And like, I know so many actors and musicians. Some of my favorite people in the world are actors and musicians. And yeah, sometimes they really, really suck. Like they just like, <laughs> they are a type, um, but, but they're not that bad. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I don't like know. Her going back to the cafe um, when she's successful and, I thought there was going to be more of a, like, she was going to play that more, I'm better than you guys behind the counter, um, which I don't think she did, which is good. Um, and she, like, gave them a tip and whatever. But I was just like, do you not see what's, like, you're playing, like, you're playing into your dreams and it's just, like, a part that you're playing. You're not... Mm-hmm. The way Emma Stone yeah. does those scenes, she's like standing up straighter and she's got like a, this weird sort of posturing thing, which I think is so funny because like she's Emma Stone. So she knows what being really successful, like you don't stand up straighter. Like, like that, if there's one part of the movie she should have been really good at, it was that part. <laughs> I don't know. It's a very frustrating movie. And the theme, the theme also sounds like, I guess I, I felt like a lot of the music was, like you you were saying earlier, it's just like copies of things that are already exist, and like it's felt very Gershwin-y. Even there's even some Rachmaninoff or something there. Like I I know music well, but it's just like I know this theme. I've heard this theme. It's not, it's not new, but I can call it jazz, and I don't like I, it could be their theme. Um, to me, he just yeah. didn't understand what jazz is. <laughs> yeah, or agree. Theater? Or theater. Yeah. Well, it's funny because <laughs> Damien Chazelle understands what movies are, right? And then when he, when one of the mistakes he makes in his in his movies is having his characters care about other art forms at the same level that he cares about movies. But the only thing he can write about realistically is the love of movies. So why doesn't he just, like when she was talking about how much she likes movies, that part's fine. But when she tries to do theater, it doesn't work. Um, He needs to make a movie about your life. You, Kelly. Oh, me? (laughs) No, because because he has a, a filmmaker's perspective. A filmmaker making a film from a critical perspective is going to make me very angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> they fundamentally don't understand. Like the idea of... You're going to be like um, that lady in the bar in... Uh, Birdman? Birdman, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I actually didn't mind the critic in Birdman so much, scene. but it is such a like... <laughs> like it is unfathomable to somebody who... And to put it in theater terms, it's unfathomable to somebody who spent their whole life wanting to be on the stage that I would, you couldn't drag me onto the stage. I would never give up my seat in the audience for anything. That's where I want to be in the theater is in the audience. It is like a, it's so unrelatable that like if they tried to make a thing about criticism, they'd just be like, no. There. It'd be less accurate than his thing about jazz. <laughs> and like I got on Jazz Musician's case when Whiplash came out because I was like, you can't, how can you not 
recognize that it's a great film that's just inaccurate about jazz. Mm. But it's like the, the structure of the filmmaking, the example I always use is a weird one, but I always say like, what if somebody wrote a really musically brilliant song like where the technique of the song, the like way it's constructed harmonically is brilliant, but the lyrics are about ice road truckers and the way that they, in order to get like the rhyme scheme perfect and the way to, to make the rhythm work, they kind of had to fudge the reality of being an ice road trucker. The jazz people getting really mad about whiplash to me was like the, the, the ice road truckers trying to tell the musicians that that song is a bad song, quote unquote. Why would you make your song about ice road truckers? Then? It was a random Not job you. that I picked <laughs> for I mean, this sorry, example. Sorry. Not you. I mean the people in the in the people in the example. In the example, song. right? Why but that's the argument that that they would have. Well, just because I they want, I guess. Yeah. I guess if you, yeah, you can't use it. Well, I guess Whiplash. My whole thing is that they use jazz as it's a sports movie, and they kind of use it as like a metaphor more than anything. Whatever. But like. Um, then when you get to what when you get to la la land i'm a little bit like well maybe maybe it does matter that it's about ice road trekkers right like it i'm I'm losing my thread here but do you understand what i'm trying to say like <laughs> i do yeah. yeah yeah like even if the bones of the movie are great if the thing you're talking about you do it inaccurately there's a part of my brain that has a lot of space for fudging the details of the thing in order to make it a better movie and i do think the technical inaccuracies in whiplash make it a better film like it's more physical like no one would ever bleed that way from playing the drums that's not real um speed is not like a actual requirement like it's not like one of the top valued things in jazz Mm -hmm. drumming you don't have to be going really fast um but in whiplash that's what works visually film film wise that's like gravity too like there's some inaccuracies and also a lot of like like it's is this is ridiculous you're you're gonna you would have died like 10 times already um that's sort of (laughs) (laughs) but but it's so engaging and fun and yeah yeah or like i will always defend the social network even though it's completely inaccurate right Mm -hmm. like i have room in my brain to yeah to like be be not a facebook hater and also love the social network and it's fine um but i feel like when it's fundamental to your characters that they love a thing like Mm -hmm. in whiplash jazz is used as a part of the plot whereas in la la land jazz is used as part of not a part of character a whole character at the very beginning, he says to his sister, does she like jazz? Probably not. Oh, then what are we going to talk about? Because he has literally nothing else in his entire character. He's just jazz. And jazz is not a character. But maybe there are people like that. No, there aren't. <laughs> there aren't. There aren't. I know so many like singularly focused people, and they are not actually singularly focused, ultimately. like. But they are dicks. like they do they do say things like that exactly (laughs) sure while ryan gosling probably likes other things in that moment all he cares about is does she like jazz but okay so we spent two hours with him name one other thing he doesn't even like his sister he literally just likes (laughs) jazz yeah i don't even think he He fully drinking he's gonna open a bar too i assume he likes drinking yeah, but yeah. I, don't uh, I think, I think drinking establishment is just an excuse for jazz. Right. Like, I don't even think he likes the Emma Stone character. I agree. I think he only likes jazz. I, I actually don't. That was a question. I was like, I know when she falls for him, when she 
finds him in the bar playing piano, their theme. But when does he fall for her? It's so hard to pinpoint because he does follow her to her car in the opposite direction of his car. Um, and that's just attraction. Well, yeah, but like he's, he's in, yeah, he's interested, but it's like where, yeah, and he, was, he was slowly getting interested, but where did he fall? Like there was no moment. Maybe that's yeah. the thing. Maybe he never does. Maybe that's why when she comes back, he's just hyper romanticized everything because he's never, he wasn't actually in love with her. That's it's I like I five hundred sh- uh, five hundred days of summer. I think the that's the idea a, of just infatuation yeah. and that's a great yeah. reading on the movie that makes the movie better. But I don't think it was the intention of the filmmakers in <laughs> oh, that not at all. way. <laughs> oh no, I think they actually meant for it to be a love story. Yeah, but absolutely. I, don't, I think it was basically uh, Seb's love story with Jazz with some. <laughs> that's <laughs> the most annoying it. thing I've ever. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, <laughs> when you think about it, like, it kind of was basically just Seb's love story with Jazz with some Mia thrown in to make it, like, an actual movie <laughs> instead of just <laughs> some guy sitting there just going, yes, the Jazz, <laughs> bring on the Jazz. This whole movie was to describe why his bar is titled that and not the chicken one. Mm. chicken on a stick oh my god the explanation of chicken on a stick was so condescending and annoying like first of all everybody knows charlie parker's nickname and even if you like like who cares so he was called bird that doesn't mean you have to give your bar a stupid name those those things don't track i hate him how about instead we name how about instead we name the bar puzzles (laughs) <laughs> i remember that that's the puzzle yeah exactly. it was from how about your mother <laughs> oh i think you got it it's called new jazz new jazz and nothing's new about it uh, is this yeah. is the thing john legend was right the whole time oh, yes. when yeah. he was like yeah. you have yeah. to evolve it to yeah. save yeah. it yeah i think maybe and we it, just need john thing. legend to sit davy and chazelle down and be like listen bro <laughs> I have some things to tell you it, about. It did Bart. sell Ryan Gosling into the tour, though, because um, he's just like, okay, I can deal with that description and deal with this, and be content. Um, in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I liked when he was on tour, and then he was so proud that Emma Stone was there to see him play, and he was having a good time, and everyone was fine, and everyone relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my general opinion i hate this movie i, I want to like it so badly and i just don't but it's like I, cute I it's so you trying i'm trying so hard guys because it was called really grumpy like because of the way this movie happened it happened like there were the people who saw it at tiff and you started to see like a post here and there it's like la la land's amazing and then by the time it actually came out the uh, hype was so big that everyone who hated it was then labeled the quote-unquote backlash when actually we just genuinely didn't like it but then like any criticism of it was labeled backlash which then just sort of like undercuts the the so you felt like a grumpy weirdo for not liking the movie and thank god moonlight came along to sort of clarify like give us a something to put it against um so that we could be like pro moonlight instead of just being like the grumpy anti lol and people who don't know what happiness is and don't ever ruin our hearts for something pleasant and nice i love 
that everyone kind of does have that mindset toward those of us who don't love La La Land. And I'm just sitting here going, name a more happy human being. <laughs> like, I love everything. I, I, there are a few things I don't like. So it really bothers me when people say that I don't love things and I'm just a generally unhappy person because I'm basically like, I'm dating the human embodiment of happiness right now because I love being happy. So it's also not a happy film. It's a sad, they're, they're miserable the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an unfortunate, they're giving up themselves. Like it's, it's yeah. sad. It's hollow. It's, it's yeah. a super toxic relationship. <laughs> it's super toxic. Um, name one Ryan. Go- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Name one Ryan Gosling <laughs> movie where the, he's like a good boyfriend. Right. Ever. Crazy. Is he good in no. Crazy Stupid he's Love? He's an asshole no. in Crazy what Stupid Love. He tells what? Steve Carell to stop drinking with a straw because it looks like he's sucking a dick in that movie. That movie oh, right. is okay. absurd. <laughs> What's the yeah. one with Rachel McAdams? The Notebook? Oh my God. Super problematic. I, I haven't seen that in a while. So Straight up abusive, that relationship. Okay, okay. Let me threaten to kill myself and get you to ask me out. Sorry, what? Which, I mean, Let I me threaten to kill myself so that you go out with me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that movie brutal. is just like the epitome, though, of like every Nicholas Sparks movie, first of all, and book, first of all. It's just like an over-idealized version of a romance. To the point, like, yeah. I, when I, it came out in high school, I thought it was the greatest romantic comedy of all time and then rewatched it recently it's like nope. mm-hmm. i've always been too pro marsden to ever ever like that movie <laughs> oh amen Love oh god him. what a wonderful Love man him. if oh. every if all the women in all the romantic comedies and also x-men would just suck it up and pick R- james marsden in the first place we could have spared ourselves so much <laughs> torment over the years right. westworld westworld so much better enchanted <laughs> is amazing Yes, and Tim uh, is amazing. Spray. Yeah, and I actually, that's the one where I'm fine with him not getting the girl in the end because I like he's like a Patrick cartoon Dempsey. Prince Charming, and Patrick Dempsey is like real Prince Charming because he's McDreamy. It's like a whole thing. I have a whole thing about <laughs> Enchanted and the casting of Enchanted. And, I think and it's Grey's Anatomy. Cast. Yes, yes, I think he's a, is incredibly well cast movie. Um, but he ends up with Adina Menzel, so whatever. That's perfect. I, yeah, I remember. Liking Ryan Gosling and Breaker High as an evil douchebag. He wasn't an evil dude. He was the nerd. Wasn't he the? He was the nerd. Nerds okay. can be evil. Yes, they can, but not in the nineties. Why don't I completely forgot that? He Sorry, was a nerd, eh? He might have been like forgot. kind of jerky, but he was definitely okay. a nerd. And he had, yeah, he was definitely because what's so funny about Breaker High in retrospect mm-hmm. is that there were two guys who were like the super hunks, and then there was like the awkward, gangly nerd with the floppy hair, and his friend whose entire personality was he eats burritos. And <laughs> Brian Gosling was like the floppy haired nerd guy, and he was in love with some girl who want to, I want to call her like Tamara. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, he yeah, was, he was it was him and the other guy who were like the two kind of losers. Tyler Labine. Yeah. Yeah. Who but is I now on say, New Amsterdam. We Plays do a have, very questionable therapist. We do have evil nerds in Buffy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's not the nineties by the time. It's not the nineties by season six. Oh shit, you're right. It is yeah. the early. It's literally on. not a thing in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It the nineties were the most like postmodernist. Like if you are an outsider, you are great. And if you are an insider, you are inherently evil. And that's how it works. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling, yeah, no, he's never he's always toxic. Always, always. And I'm sure he's like a perfectly nice guy. 
<laughs> but like that's not for some reason the roles he picks are just brutal and especially when they're over romanticized because he's so over romanticized it's just I don't know it's a problem for me I just I can't this was a they, risky role for him I think just you think the, just yeah um doing like the dance I know that he's done dance before but this is the first time he's been doing it in I think his career at this time mm-hmm. um doing the singing and dancing and this like he's been this um romantic kind of role but I think this musical part of him this is the first time he's really doing that at this age at this part in, in his life yeah it's a less I mean the, the character for a musical is really stoic and cool guy but in the sort of larger scale of movie making it's not like a cool guy stoic role to take mm-hmm. to be in like a technicolor musical Right. And maybe that's it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I just don't understand why everybody likes him so much more than the other Canadian Ryan who is so much better. So much better. So much better on every oh, single, so come on, much. everything. In everything, everything ever. On, and, and no matter his, what your rubric is. <laughs> Correct. And, and also, what's his name from uh, uh, 300 Days of Summer? Joseph oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, like, I, I think those two are the, the good actors out of Canada that, that that have that sort of role. Is he Canadian? No. Isn't he? Hopefully. I don't think he's Canadian. I, I feel like if he was Canadian, we would have like laid claim to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's American. He yeah. was born in... I thought he was Canadian. Los yeah. Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make that shit up if I tried. Yeah, because he was a, he was a kid actor. Like He was an angel in the outfield mm-hmm. when he was like 10. Um, and then third Rock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you're okay, thinking, of <laughs> you thinking of Josh Jackson. You think of Josh Jackson because he's one I, of ours. I think uh, Gordon Lovett and Ryan Ryan Gosling are very close, but Gordon Lovett is much better in in terms of their acting. Okay. Okay. I think that's all it is. Okay. I'm just. Ryan Lovett doesn't play a jerk as much. Them together. I literally just went through Ryan yeah. Gosling's acting credits, and the last like non toxic. <laughs> actor role that I could find was Alan Bosley and Remember the Titans. <laughs> wow. I'm like, when you were just that really cute quarterback kid. <laughs> yeah, he's got some taste issues that are, he's drawn to darkness, which mm, okay, <laughs> whatever you say. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts on La La Land beyond Ryan Gosling is overrated? <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Uh, less than the sum of its parts agreed yes well said okay a a, a pinata with nothing in it (laughs) it's awful pretty though it's awful pretty (laughs) all right it's awful comma pretty okay (laughs) 